Welcome once again, everybody. It's good to see some familiar faces and the regular congregation that's here week after week. Hope you guys are all having a a good Christmas. I'm I'm thinking that because everyone is here and healthy, that you're having a good Christmas already. Um, keep those people in prayer that are not, because it's a lot. There's a lot of sickness out there and a lot of difficulties people are having, and uh, the traveling has been crazy as well. So keep 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 people traveling in prayer. So yeah, good good evening. My name is Nathan Detweiler. For those who don't know me, I'm the senior pastor of the church here, and uh, I love 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 Christmas Eve. I love it. I'm more awake than I am on Sunday mornings. Uh, we had a wonderful morning doing our family Christmas with our kids today. We just, they, they got us up singing Jingle Bells really loudly at 7 o'clock, 7.25. We were saying 7.30 was the, uh, the earliest they could come in. They wanted to make sure that we hit the snooze alarm at 7.30 and came out right on time so they could open their presents. But it was a really nice morning, and uh, glad to join you all tonight. Tonight's uh, message is about seeing the signs and understanding uh, the references being made in order to see the Savior. Seeing the signs, understanding the references they're made in order to see the Savior. As most of you probably know, there are entire podcasts and YouTube channels that are all about analyzing pop culture to death and finding the hidden Easter eggs. Have you heard this, these words before? Hi, finding Easter eggs. I know it's Christmas, but finding those hidden things, finding the lure of something, and so it seems that with anything that comes out, whether it's TV shows, movies, especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, video games, and even music, the artists and the, the, the people that are doing the drawing and all that stuff, they hide things in their movies, in their media, for us to find. And there are, like as I said, entire shows dedicated to uh, unraveling what's going on behind the scenes. And all of us like those kinds of things because we love to be in the know. We love to pick up on the references other people didn't get and say, you know, I'm the real, I'm the real biggest fan of the show. Uh, no one else knows it like I do. Um, it's gotten to the point in our culture where, you know, lately they have these, uh, these podcasts that come out. They're talking about a show that was filmed in the 90s and explaining all the Easter eggs from way back in the 90s. So people are, are listening to these things uh, in, the, in, the, in the unendorsed but existent Walking Dead series, which ended just this year. Uh, they had a show right after The Walking Dead every week to analyze the episode you had just seen. This is something we do in our culture, and we do it very well. And I think it's actually a, a really fun thing and a strength that people have to, to want to understand things more. Uh, I think we're getting good at this culturally, and I think that we are in a perfect place to become appreciative of the Easter eggs and the shadows and the references that point to Jesus from the Old Testament uh, that, that Mary knew and that we look back to and understand this is Jesus the Savior. There's so many people that have never studied the Bible before, before uh, get excited about it, they start listening to podcasts and different things, and they realize, well, this is much, much cooler than I ever thought. This story is amazing. It's so, it's put together in such an artful and amazing way, and the authors uh, had such a poetic way of referencing things that were to come and things that were important, uh, that the people that were the true super fans on the inside, the Jewish people, God's people at the time, uh, were able to find. But we've always been good at this, uh, this nerd-like thing of finding the, finding the Easter eggs, finding the hidden gems. Uh, some of you have watched Disney movies frame by frame and cartoons to see the things that the artists did. You see those smiles on your faces, you've done that. You've found those weird little things that no one else seems to know about. Um, it's fun when we see something and we get to learn where it came from. Uh, let's, try, let's try a couple of these re references that are really, really easy. Uh, Let's see if you can get the movie that this is from. This is a little bit more of a serious movie, 
from the early 1900s. His quote that says, here's looking at you, kids. Anyone know? Casablanca. That's right, it's Humphrey Bogart uh, saying that amazing line. How about, may the force be with you? That's an easy one. How about, my mama always said, life is like a box of chocolates. Forrest Gump. And how about Christmas movies? This gets even more fun. Here's a quote. This is extremely important. Will you please tell Santa that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back? That's Home Alone. Um, Christmas was on its way. Lovely, glorious, beautiful Christmas upon which the entire kid world revolved. Christmas story. It's on, talk about revolving. Every, every 20 minutes it starts again. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing them really loud so all can hear. Hey, Alvy, I didn't say that quite right. Uh, these are all references we know. These are not really the obscure ones. Um, I'm wondering if, if I'm the only one that's wearing fancy Christmas socks tonight. Anyone wearing special socks for Christmas? I guess it's a thing. My wife just put out these socks I wear once a year. So I put them on, and they say on them, keep the change, you filthy animal, which is a quote from, from Home Alone. That's right. I remember it was around 1990 when that movie came out, and my, my next neighbor, uh, Debbie, she took me and my friend Rachel, who was her daughter, out to see Home Alone. I was probably eight years old um, at the time. And I, uh, in that experience, uh, uh, Debbie made a big deal about how me and Rachel, seven and eight years old, were on our first date. It was such a cute, adorable thing. And she was going around taking pictures of us. I was so embarrassed as an eight-year-old, I literally got up and walked to the other side of the theater and just sat down and waited for it to be over. That's kind of my my re recollection of, of Home Alone the first time. Keep the change, you filthy animals. Um, tonight is all about, as I said before, seeing the signs, understanding the references that are made in the scriptures that point to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And we are really good at this uh, as a culture. I think we can become better at it with our Bibles. So tonight we're going to be looking at Mary's song after she heard from the angel and visited Elizabeth. Mary's song, they, they say that Mary was between 12 and 14 years old, which was the traditional age of marriage back at this time. Don't judge, it's just, that's how it was. That's how the world was back then. Uh, so 12, 13, 14 years old. Uh, Mary had an incredible mastery of the scriptures. She was a Jewish woman. She was a righteous woman. Uh, God thought on her with favor and chose her to carry the Savior of the world. Um, she was an expert in Old Testament references to Christ, which we'll see in her prayer tonight. Mary's song contains many quotes from the earlier parts of the Bible narrative, which had become ingrained in her mind over the years of going to synagogue and hearing the word be preached. Uh, at the time when Mary was visited by the angel, the culture was in a messianic frenzy. People had, uh, had seen the signs that were pointed to in the Old Testament that, that the Messiah was going to be coming soon. And God's people were in bondage underneath the Romans at this time. So they were in captivity, they were crying out to the Lord for salvation, and, they, and some of the very careful, die-hard, if you will, Bible nerds back then were saying, oh, I think this is going to be fulfilled soon. So people were waiting for this to happen, believe it or not. People in the Jewish uh, world we even know that King Herod wanted to know all about this child that was to be born. It was just in the air at this time. Um, Mary knew the prophecies of old contained in the scriptures, which spanned thousands of years. Her song is filled with the greatest hits, if you will, 
references to the Messiah, quotes that would have been recognized by the true fans of, of God and the people that were looking to see these things. Uh, faithful Jewish people were all, were all aware of the many Bible prophecies about the coming Messiah or Savior, and some people, including the wise men who eventually visited Jesus, I hate to tell you, two years after he was born probably, they think, not right that night, uh, the wise men that visited Jesus, uh, they had somehow looked at the stars in the sky and done a calculation that told them it's time for this prophecy to be fulfilled. And so they came and followed the star trying to find the child based on their their uh, their way of as- astronomy and some kind of theological understanding they were able to come into uh, grasp with. So it's out of this moment when history is pregnant with a desire for the Messiah to come and save people from their bondage, when when young people were saying, will I be the one to carry the Messiah? Uh, it's at this time when God did indeed show up. And those that had eyes to see and ears to hear got to be a part of that, whether they be shepherds, wise men, Anna and Simeon in the temple, people that prophesied and prayed about the Messiah for years. They, they, they saw Jesus, they knew just what was up, because they were super fans of God, they loved God, and they knew the scriptures. Uh, so here we are in the sixth month, this is Luke one twenty six. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this is the mother of John the Baptist who uh, conceived the child miraculously. She was very old. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How would, you have, how would you have responded to the angel's news here? I, for one, I think I would have had a lot of questions. I would have maybe been skeptical. But what, what ended up allowing Mary to have peace with this message and to play this role in God's plan were all of the quotes she would have heard in the angel's speech, which came right from the Old Testament and pointed her back to the writing of the Old Testament preceding Jesus. So here are here are the Easter eggs in the angel's speech that you might have missed, the things that only true fans may have seen in these words. And we see this, uh, if you re- remember the, the passage we just read, just listen to this. Isaiah 7, 14, 700 years before Christ came into the world, says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is 700 years before Christ written in the prophecies. Mary would have, this would have come to mind for her immediately. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Daniel 2. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all of those kingdoms and bring them to an end. It will itself endure forever. And then in Daniel 7. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Almost exactly what the angel shared. 
Verse 27, Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. And finally, in Micah 4, 7, I will make the lame my remnant, those driven away a strong nation. The Lord will rule over them in Mount Zion from that day and forever. All these prophecies, 700 years, 670 years, 600 years before the coming of Christ. Remember, tonight is about seeing the signs and understanding the references made in order to see the Savior. Mary, this righteous young Jewish woman, knew the prophecies told, knew the signs of the Messiah's coming, and knew Bible references like the back of her hand. So she really had only one question of the angel, which was completely practical. You know, she was not asking about the basic stuff. She understood what was going on. Her very practical question was only in verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked. I am a virgin. That's a great question. How will it be? No one had uh, conceived of a child miraculously before and no, uh, without the help of a partner. No one had, has done it since. So Mary knew the prophecy that the Messiah would be born to the virgin, but the question was, how is this going to happen to me? I think we would all join in Mary in asking the same question. The angel answered in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word of God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now what incredible knowledge Mary had of all these prophecies of the Old Testament, and what a privilege to be the one who found favor in God's eyes to carry the Messiah, to bring into the world the one who was born to save the world, which is what Mary, Mary did. So Mary believes God's word from the angel, which she knew to be true from her knowledge of scripture, and then she visits Elizabeth right away to see if what the angel of the Lord said had come about. Um, Elizabeth had miraculously conceived as well, and this was said to be a sign that Jesus was the promised Messiah to so when she saw Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth says to her, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed all the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And this was the experience of see, seeing Elizabeth six months pregnant, again, well into past the age of childbearing. It was this experience that tied everything together for Mary. She knew the prophecy. She believed the angel's word to her. She knew the signs. She understood the references that were being made. She saw the miraculous sign of Elizabeth's conception. Because Mary was not a casual fan of God, but a devoted and knowledgeable scholar of God's word, even at her young age. Sometimes I wonder if we don't expect enough from our kids. You, you find people like this who just uh, were able to, well, you know, my kids know so much about Pokemon. How much do they know about Old Testament uh, prophecy? I don't know. It's not, I guess it's not as exciting to them yet, but I hope it will be someday. But for Mary, she was no casual fan. Remember when Jesus told parables in the New Testament? He said, they said, why do you teach in parables? He goes, so that people, I'll paraphrase, so people that are actually listening and seeking after will find me. And those that are not real fans of mine, who aren't really serious about it, they won't understand it. You know, Jesus is saying um, to the people that are serious about being a part of my redemptive work in the world, I will reveal my word to them. The people that are just casual fans are going to miss out. Mary had been a casual fan, she may have missed out. But everything got, got tied together for Mary. And Mary now, 
composes a song that is truly just a, a masterpiece of words, full of quotes uh, that her contemporaries would have known about the Messiah to be born, the King, Jesus. It has so many Easter eggs and references which show Mary's knowledge and wisdom of the scriptures, which we are going to un- unpack. Uh, so we're going to start in verse 46 and read that all the way through, and then look at the references that she was making. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to his ancestors. What a, what a song is this. I'd love to hear the music that she's saying it to. But this is, this is all completely relevant to us in our day. This, this, this teaching from Mary in this song is completely relevant to us in our day. Listen to this. And allow, allow these words to be personalized to you right now. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. God is mindful of the lowly and the downtrodden. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation those that respect and love the Lord in humility, his mercy extends to those people. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts, has brought down rulers from their thrones, has lifted up the humble. Our God is someone that opposes the proud and gives grace to those who are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So what, do we, what quotes do we see from the Old Testament in this song? And there's, there's a lot, a lot of allusions and quotes. Tonight is all about seeing the signs and understanding the references in order to see Jesus. So we're going to go through these quotes uh, one by one. Psalm 34, 2-3 I will glory in the Lord, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Psalm 138.6 Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Psalm 71.19 Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You have done great things. Who is like you, God? Psalm 111.9 He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Exodus 26. He delights in showing love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Psalm 103.17. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, his righteousness for their children's children. It's a direct quote from Mary. Psalm 98.1. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Isaiah 40.10. See the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. 
Psalm 107.9, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Psalm 98.3, he has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Psalm 132.11, the Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath he will not revoke. One of your own descendants will place on your throne. Do you hear the signs that Mary heard from the Old Testament? Do you see what they point to? There's always going to be mystery and, and wonder at Christmas because at Christmas, something that God promised in the very first part of the story in Genesis 3.15, in the beginning of human history, is coming true. When God said to Satan, the Messiah is coming, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. From the moment of that promise, God's faithful people had waited and waited and waited and waited and faltered many times despite God's great faithfulness to them. And finally... When Jesus was born, those who understood the signs, who understood the references God had been making for thousands of years, saw clearly what God was doing. These people were God's, if you will, his biggest fans. They knew God's word like the back of their hand. And just like Mary did, God was doing exactly what he said he would do for those that had ears to hear. Then around 700 years before Christ was born, things really picked up quite a bit in the prophetic. And these signs, the scripture began to multiply and intensify and become much more specific. We begin to see signs not only of Jesus' birth, but his death and resurrection, which were fulfilled at the end of his life. Uh, but all of this was pointing to, to what God would do to send a Messiah to save the world. The Messiah would even fulfill the word of God in all the Psalms, which stated that the coming Messiah would be a descendant of David, sitting on David's throne. And Mary was in the line of David. So everything just lined up perfectly. You know, these days, these, we're living in t today, that we look back to the signs, we understand what God did in sending Christ to be born of the Virgin, to live a flawless human life, a fully human life, and ultimately fulfill God's righteousness and die on the cross to save anyone who returned to him. And we also have the benefit of seeing the many hidden things, the Easter eggs and the signs which God ended up fulfilling through the early church to reach out not only to the Jewish people, but then to the Gentiles and to the entire world. A world that includes most of, us, most of us who sit here. Um, you know, tonight is all about seeing those signs, understanding those references in order to see the Savior. So tonight, as we look at these things, do you, do you see Jesus? Can you see Jesus in the Old Testament coming through this young woman's song, this astute theological work that Mary sang? Are you, are you a fan of the work that God's done in the past, over the last several thousand years, if you will? Do you know God's heart? The one who sent a gentle and lowly Savior to be born into an animal's feeding trough who is lowly in the world's eyes, a carpenter, who served all people perfectly his entire life without sin and ultimately gave his life for the redemption of his people and their uh, deliverance as Messiah. It doesn't have to remain a mystery. You know, the signs are all there for people with eyes to see. But the only question is, do you believe it? And what will you do with God's offer to save you through Jesus the Messiah? Because Jesus the Messiah grew up. He lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death in our place. That we might join into a relationship with God, which was established for us before the foundation of the earth. The Bible says that before the foundation of the earth, Laid, 
he had in mind to crucify Jesus, to pay for our sins so we could come to a relationship with him. So are you, are you a real fan of this, of this Christmas thing um, that we're talking about tonight, or just a casual observer? Now, do you see the, the hidden things God has left for you in Scripture, in the world, even by the revelation of his Holy Spirit, as you have been sitting in quietness or driving long distances in the car or drifting off to sleep at night? Those who truly seek God always find him. Always. Every time. And those who knock always have the door open to them. The question is, are you a big enough fan to keep on knocking at that door until you get the answer that God wants to give you? It says in the scriptures, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's Jesus talking to us tonight. So as the worship team comes forward, we're going to be closing with a few uh, Christmas songs. And I would, I would encourage you to prepare room in your heart think about the signs and ways that God has pointed you to Jesus in the past, of all the scripture he's fulfilled, of all the hopes of all the people of the world, and to prepare him room, invite him in. We're going to sing a few more songs, and then we're going to be lighting a candle together, uh, lighting, the, lighting the Christ candle, and then lighting it around the room to symbolize the light of God coming into the world to save us. God bless you all this Christmas. As we leave this place, I want to bless you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, may you know the sweetness of the presence of Jesus in your life today. I pray that you would come to know his voice, come to see him as he reveals himself to you. He stands at the door and knocks at your heart. You've known him for a long time or you've never met him before. My prayers are you open. bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas, everybody.